it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this just the other day because the biggest thing that I've noticed, and this is probably true no matter what business you're in, is the people that you have around you, period. Your mentors, the organization that you're going through, you have to have the right people. And I went through a lot of different people in this journey. You know, I started with one insurance company, left there, went independent. And when you're independent, you still have a, you know, an organization that's over top of you that's helping you, mentoring you, et cetera. And I went through a few different organizations until I found the right people. And I got lucky in a lot of ways. And I like to, you know, say it's, it's all God because I believe in Jesus and I believe that everything happens for a reason. And he led me to where I am today. And I got the right people around me now. But there is a huge part of time where there's a lot of stress and a lot of, is this right? Is that right? Are they doing the right thing? Are they actually trying to take care of me and my clients or are they just in it for the money? And when you figure out that some people are just in it for the money and they're not actually trying to help people, that's when you got to get out and go somewhere else. And, you know, business isn't, doesn't work if you're not working with people. Like, you know, I know you do the same thing. You're there to not just do well for yourself, but to bring value and help other people. And I, I listen to Tony Robbins all the time and I've been listening to one of his books recently and I love his thing. It's about gratitude. Everything's about gratitude and coming from that place of giving. And if you can give more value to other people than what they give to you, that's where you make a difference. And that's where you can really thrive and build a business. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sean Sparkman. Now, Sean is a no BS type of real estate and financial advisor. Over his career, Sean has realized that the average working American is overwhelmed with protecting their savings from market correction, particularly now we're in COVID. Um, so he's so passionate about helping his clients create strategies that protect their savings, but also help grow wealth along the way. He's also the host of the Safe and Sound podcast, which you can find all over different platforms or wherever you podcast. And so I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge about building businesses and helping the older generation plan for retirement uh, in their later stages of life. But but without that, be, with that being said, let's get him out here. G'day, Sean. Welcome to the show. Hey, Reed. Thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be on the show. Mate, that, thank you for coming. And I know I was a guest on your show a little while ago. I had a cracking time uh, on that show. And, and, and we'll get into your podcast and how that helps grows your business. But before we do, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, my first ever dollar that I made as a kid was uh, 11 years old. My parents pushed me to go get a job, <laughs> kicked me out the door at 11. And uh, my buddies and my cousins and I used to ride our bikes to the local country club that was, you know, about a 15 minute bike ride down the road. And we would go and caddy, carry bags for the golfers and, you know, have a good time. And it was interesting to be working at 11 years old, but it was a lot of fun. And they gave you a job being underage? Yeah, yeah. Caddying, they would let you do because you, you, you work for tips. So, right. so you're, not actually, you're not actually working. Right. <laughs> Got it. You're not legally on the payroll. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, walk us through the journey of where, you know, where you come from and, and that experience of being a caddy into what you've developed today, because I'm sure that's been a bit of a, uh, a long road, uh, to say the least, but, but maybe share with us any sort of tripping hazards along the way. Yeah, so when I went through high school, I was actually, to rewind the clock all the way back, I was homeschooled until fifth grade. So oh, wow. okay. My, yeah, yeah, my mom, she, she homeschooled us, me, and I'm the oldest of four. And it was a really cool experience because when I ended up going into school, I was actually supposed to be placed three grades ahead, but they hmm. still put me in the grade that, uh, you know, the fifth grade at the time. It's that way I wouldn't be, you know, the, the small kid with all the big kids. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that that really gave me, though, uh, a stepping stone in life, because one of the things my parents always taught me was to always read, always learn, constantly be educating yourself, even though I was really hard headed, which is why my mom ended up putting me in school, because I, I always go my own way in one way or the other. And th throughout life, that hard headedness, of course, is good in some ways, but it can be a, a tripping and a, a hazard in other ways where I can be too hard headed and too stubborn and, you know, not listen. But that's been one of the things that, like I was telling you before we got on the show, I'm in the martial arts and I have been for over a decade now. And that's one of the things that really taught me how to, you know, kind of break that hard headedness and become humble and soft and open in order to be able to learn and understand that no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you can remember, you don't know everything and you're never going to know everything. There's always going to be somebody bigger, better, faster, somebody mm -hmm. stronger, smarter, whatever it may be. And instead it's about listening to every single person you sit down with. And I forget at this point who told me this, but it, it was something along the lines of uh, when I first started in the financial services, I was doing nothing but life insurance. And I was actually working down in Detroit and in Flint in the inner city. 
and working down in there, you sit down with people of all types, right? Because there's, there's people down there that have a lot of money and there's people down there who don't have much at all. And one of the things that I learned is I would learn more from some of the people who had absolutely nothing. And they were just these good, absolutely genuine people that, you know, you could just connect with and love. <laughs> and, you know, being open to every house you go into, every person that you sit down with, learning something from them and taking that mindset, that is really what brought me to where I am today. And, and talk to me about that journey because obviously you did just start building this business from scratch. You had some experience in the corporate world. So what was the impetus to, to go out and start your own business? Well, when I was young, like I said, I was homeschooled and my dad had his own business. My grandfather had his own business on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, both of her parents and their parents were business owners in Detroit, you know, during the, you know, forties and fifties. And so there's always this like business owner mindset, but my dad ended up leaving, you know, the court or I'm sorry, the business owner world and going into the corporate world when I was young. And so he, I grew up with him there, but there was always this impetus of like, Hey, you should read rich dad, poor dad, and you should read, you know, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. And I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old. And I've read those books many times since then. And so there's always this like, I knew I was going to run my own business. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I had a lot of people that pushed me to, you know, want to do like building a martial arts school, that type of stuff. And the whole time I'm working in the corporate world and uh, I was an equipment manager at a, a paving company locally here in Michigan, one of the big ones here. And I, I just knew corporate wasn't for me. And so my sister-in-law happened to be working at this life insurance company and she's like, Hey, you should come check this out. And I was like, I, I don't want to do insurance, <laughs> but w whatever, I'm open to it. Like, I'll go look. And, uh, you know, long story short, I went and saw their presentation. And they're like, hey, just do what we tell you to do. And you'll make at least $60,000 a year while helping people protect their families. So I was like, okay, well, I can, I can do good for somebody and I can make, you know, at least what I'm making now in corporate. And then, uh, you know, ho hopefully make a lot more than that eventually while being able to help people. Cause that's the whole thing. I didn't want to just go out and try and make a buck. I wanted to go out and actually do some good in the world. Right. And so uh, I went into there and I ended up actually making six figures my first year. And wow. you know, yeah, that was really cool. It wasn't what I expected. I just wanted to make what I was making and uh, helped a lot of people started building some teams. Uh, long story short, I ended up leaving there and going independent a couple of years later because it just, made sense. I always wanted to be my own thing. And then that led me to eventually getting into the annuity world and then eventually becoming a full-on financial advisor wow. because I can do more, I can do more good that way than I could with just, you know, one path. Right. Right. And it's such a interesting path, you know, going from life insurance into, you know, now into annuity, annuities and helping other people expand their retirement savings um, prowess, but also your what what comes strong what comes through very strong with you. I feel is that your mission to try and help others, and I think I can hear that from just what you're saying and the passion that you've experienced. That you always wanted to help people and you wanted to help the little guy. Um, is that really what the business is based on today, and and, and what you uh, your mission is in in the business? 
Well, my mission in the business is to help people make their retirement savings to last them throughout their entire lifetime. Because uh, the demographic bubble is something that we don't talk a whole lot about in the world today. And it's going to affect everybody across the nation. And it goes back to, you know, the 1930s when they started Social Security. Uh, do you know what the average age an American lived to was at that time? Uh, I want to say 65. You're close. That's the age they set retirement to for Social Security. But the average age an American lived to was 62 and a half. Okay. Whereas nowadays we're, we're living upwards into our, you know, 85. That's roughly the average mm -hmm. age people live to, 83, 85. That's a huge difference in, you know, less than 100 years. We've never had that before in history, that big of a jump in longevity. And so now we've got people living longer than ever. And, you know, the pension system doesn't exist anymore. Not the way that it used to. You know, back in the 1980s, they created the 401k. And now guess what? The average person has to become an investor, whereas it used to be all the institutional people. Mm. So now, now there's this thing of we have to make sure that people who are now living longer than ever can live the lifestyle that they want because they've worked so hard to get there. They've saved all this money and nobody knows what to do with it. You know, they turn to their, their regular financial advisor who's been helping them. But guess what? He knows one thing. He knows how to accumulate funds to get you to retirement. The majority of financial advisors, it's kind of like uh, your primary care doctor. If you needed knee surgery, do you want your primary care doctor doing knee surgery on you? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Probably not. Not if you want to walk again. <laughs> so it's the same thing like in your world, you know, in the real estate world, you want specialists for certain things. If you're working in multifamily, that's a totally different ball game than the guy that's, you know, trying to sell a residential home. Right. So you got to have a specialist no matter what industry you're in, whether it's financial advice or you're working in real estate. And so we, we specialize in the end stage of retirement. How do you take what you've accumulated and turn it into streams of income through different things like annuities or dividends from stocks? Interesting. And so how many people come to you or do you help people before they come to you and say, hey, hey Sean, I've got all this money I've saved. And there's going to be the other side of the coin of people who, well, I didn't save enough. What advice do you have for me today in order maybe I've got to go and work for another five or 10 years in order to get to that quote unquote retirement stage where I can you know, live off my savings and live off the decent investments that I've made through maybe some of the advice that, that you've given them? Yeah, so I get people across the whole range, but the vast majority of clients that come to me are you know, minimum of at least a hundred thousand dollars, and a lot of them are you know that half a million to a million dollar category as far as net worth and assets that they have. I, I obviously occasionally have people that do have less than that, and like you're saying, the number one thing they have to do is buckle down and start saving. Mm. And so, of course, at, at that point, it, it may be you have to work longer. It may be that you you have to take Social Security at a different time and put it off to have it increase and then continue working and then just buckle down and save as much as you possibly can. Because the reality is that 20 to 30 years of living in retirement is a long time mm -hmm. and you have to make money stretch a very long time. And if you want to live a certain lifestyle, you have to sacrifice now in order to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, the, I'm not the specialist for people that have less than a hundred thousand, but obviously I can give advice. You know, the vast majority of people that, that have a hundred thousand plus that we end up actually being able to work with and implement a lot of the strategies. And, and so what are you looking at from, you spoke about average age of retirement and, and, and life expectancy. What's the average income requirement needed in those retirement years that you're seeing if someone has $100,000 or half a million dollars worth of net worth, what are they gonna need per year to keep them going for the next 20 years in retirement? 
That's a good question because the real answer is what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Right. So there is no one like, Hey, you need 50 grand a year. It's what is it? What is it you want? You know, mm-hmm. like read what, what do you want out of life? And you went and you built your life on your real estate, the way that you wanted to live your life. Right. right. And when you're going into retirement, it's the same thing. And no, no matter what type of money you have, you have to decide for yourself. Do I want to live on 50 grand a year or a hundred grand a year? And what kind of life do I want it to look like? And then that, of course that brings into if they have their house paid off, if they have no debt, those types of things, all of that's going to impact how much money somebody actually needs to live on. And, you know, if you have less money than somebody else, then maybe you have to adjust your lifestyle to be able to do, you know, what you want to do. But the good news is that there's always a lifestyle that can be lived no matter where you're at in life. It's just a matter of making it work for you. And that may be cutting costs or it may mean, you know, putting something off to a later time. So you mentioned earlier about annuities um, and bonds. Do you want to walk us through some of the different vehicles you are using and maybe some of the strategies you're giving to your clients in order to help them maximize that income potential in in those retirement years? Yeah, one of the big strategies that we're doing nowadays is the annuity world. And the reason that we're doing that is bonds just aren't what they used to be. So we're replacing the portion of people's portfolios and those bonds that just aren't performing like they were back in the day with annuities. And we can show, and there's a guy named Tom Hegna, he puts videos out on YouTube all the time where he talks about, you know, the the death of bonds and the fact that you can make any retirement portfolio better by replacing your bonds with an income annuity. And he can show you, and it's a triple A, they function basically like a triple A rated bond with a triple C rated, you know, yield on the bond with the guarantees of the insurance company that you don't get in the bond world. So that, that's a huge portion of what we do. Instead of using bonds, we use those annuities in order to make po- people's portfolios better and give them guarantees that you can't get elsewhere. And then for the rest of it, we do a dividend stock portfolio in order to offset inflation and get more growth in that area. And in that dividend stock portfolio, what are you investing in specifically? Do you have something that you really like or a sector that you you funnel people towards? uh, Or or is it just more of your standard blue chip type of uh, stock investing? No, it's a, it's a portfolio of 30 stocks and spread across a lot of different I- industries. You know, there's a, obviously a big focus on energy, consumer defense, things of that nature. But all of those companies, the main thing that we're looking at is how long have they been paying their dividends? Because the last thing you want to do is get in, you know, into a company like Ford who stopped their dividend. You know, you, you get into, you get into coronavirus that of course nobody saw that coming. And, and then all of a sudden you don't have a dividend anymore. It completely defeats the purpose of having the portfolio. The, the whole point is to have companies that are going to be paying their dividends and then increasing them over time. Last thing we want to see is, you know, something static or something declining. So, you know, companies like, for example, Johnson & Johnson that have been increasing their dividends consecutively over the last 20, 30 years, and they've been paying dividends for, you know, 40 or 50 years, mm-hmm. and they've got huge reserves of cash. And so when you look at our portfolio, we got 100, through all the companies, there's $158 billion that these companies are keeping in reserves just to pay their dividends. <laughs> so, you know, if, the, if those dividends stop, it, it ruins the whole portfolio. And so that's the really big thing is making sure that we have the right companies. Right. And it also ruins the reputation, right, of people like yourself that, that are saying, well, these guys aren't paying anymore. So that's we're not going to recommend them for our clients in order to go and invest with them because they don't pay that or they've stopped paying their, their dividends over a period of time, right? Right, exactly. And the whole point is to get your income increasing, you know, and one of the cool things is like this, 
you know, for us, the COVID-19 has actually stress test the portfolio in a way that was actually really good because it proved what we were doing. We actually had a very large increase in income for the people that were in our portfolio, you know, before coronavirus, because as the prices of the stocks went down, well, those dividends that get reinvested purchase more shares at a lower price. So, and you, your dividends get paid out per share, not based on the price of the stock. It's based on each share that you own. So if you can increase those shares, you increase the amount of income that you're actually receiving. So even though the value of the portfolio, if you were to sell out of it, went down, the income that you're receiving went up. And then obviously, as the stock market recovers, the value of the portfolio comes back just like everybody else's. Right, right. What are you seeing as part of the COVID world? Are things changing in the financial advisement industry that people are needing more access to information and, and that COVID has forced that hand a little bit in that industry at all? Well, what I'm seeing is, and we, my main business is almost 100% over the phone and virtually to be a screen shares, videos like this, et cetera. And this is how we meet with clients all across the country. And I, I do have local clients as well, but really it's a different world. And the nice thing about COVID is that it forced everybody into their homes to start using technology that we've been sitting here and we've had access to. But all of a sudden people have a level of comfort that they didn't have before. And so for, for our business, it's actually been a good thing because it's pushed people to go, well, maybe my portfolio isn't what I need because mm. along with the volatility of the market, they're all of a sudden going, whoa, I didn't see this coming because nobody saw it coming. Right. But at the same time, last year when, when I was going through and teaching people, we saw that there was a, a setup for some type of correction coming. We just didn't know when and we didn't know how big it was going to be because we had such a long run in the stock market. You know, a 10-year bull run is historical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then you talk about teaching. So what types of teaching do you do? Is it for all your clients is when you're onboarding them to help them see a little bit under the curtain of what you do in order to make sure that you're uh, maximizing their returns and their retirement in their retirement years? Yeah, that's the most important thing to me is making sure that people understand the plan. They understand what's going on because if you don't understand how dividends work, how annuities work, how bonds work, et cetera, whatever it may be that you're investing in like real estate, if your clients don't understand what the plan is with the real estate, how are they supposed to continue moving forward in it? Right. It, it doesn't work. People have to understand. And it's such a complicated world, but the actual vehicles are so simple. Mm. And, you know, I just, I had a new client that I just signed up. And when I was talking with her, she said, you know what, Sean, I'm so thankful that I found you because nobody that I've worked with in the last 20 years has ever explained any of this stuff to me, at least in a way <laughs> that I could understand it. <laughs> so, so with that being said, what, what was the big thing that she had an issue on? Because part of what you're doing is providing value through just simple conversations and maybe some, some videos, right? That, that, that's what I assume your education is, is just walking people through in layman's terms. So what was one of the major, maybe it's annuities, but did you not understand annuities or something like that? Oh, she didn't understand annuities. She didn't really understand how dividend stocks worked. And she, I mean, it was just like a whole nine yards. Like she kind of got the concept, but she didn't really understand how they worked. And a lot, I noticed a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people think that you buy a dividend stock and their, their worst fear is you buy in at 50 bucks and then the next day it drops to 20 and you know, now all of a sudden you don't have any money. But the reality is that with dividend stocks, it's per share. And that's the part that's confusing because it's not related to the actual price of the stock. That's only if you sell it. 
But as okay. long as you're holding it, they're paying you that dividend for each share that you own. So if they're paying three bucks per share and you own a thousand shares, you know, they're going to pay you $3,000 per year. That doesn't matter if the price of the stock's a hundred bucks or 20. It's right. still coming in. Because you've locked so, in that, that, that right at that point, right? Right. So that's the big thing. It's just little things like that, that a lot of financial advisors, they just, they don't teach people. They say, hey, this is what you should do. But it's like, well, why? Right. Why, why <laughs> well, is it's going because... to do this for you, but, but what, how does it work? You know, and they, they just don't go through those little things. And it's the little things I've noticed in life that people really appreciate. And that makes a big difference. So for those people sitting out there not knowing what annuity is, give us a 30 seconds pitch. Yeah, so 30, 30 seconds on an annuity. Uh, as long as you're on the fixed side, there's, there is two different kinds. Variables, variables are a whole different animal. Those are actually invested in the market. They have high fees. You can lose if the market goes down, et cetera. And obviously, you can gain if it goes up. But as far as the fixed side goes, and you're looking at the income annuities, those income annuities will provide you an income for life. So it's a way of taking a lump sum of money and turning it into a cash flow that's guaranteed for life. And of course, it's guaranteed on the back of the insurance company that you're using. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at that versus a bond and you're, you're comparing the two, they are different financial instruments, but they both have a similar thing. You know, bonds are meant to provide income and provide some safety in your portfolio. But as we saw in 2008, uh, they're just not what they used to be in the you know 70s, 80s, and 90s. Right. And so when we put those in annuities in place, it gives you a lot more security of knowing that that lifetime income stream is going to be there. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Mate, tell me what's been the most difficult element of growing your business? You're a young guy. Um, how have you, what have been some of the stumbling blocks along this along this journey to, to grow your reach, to grow simple things like the educational piece? Like what, what, what is it? Well, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this just the other day because the biggest thing that I've noticed, and this is probably true no matter what business you're in, is the people that you have around you, mm -hmm. period your mentors, the organization that you're going through, you have to have the right people. And I went through a lot of different people in this journey. You know, I started with one insurance company, left there, went independent. And when you're independent, you still have a, you know, an organization that's over top of you that's helping you, mentoring you, et cetera. And I went through a few different organizations until I found the right people. And I got lucky in a lot of ways. And I like to, you know, say it's, it's all God because I believe in Jesus and I believe that everything happens for a reason. And he led me to where I am today. And I got the right people around me now. But there is a huge part of time where there's a lot of stress and a lot of, is this right? Is that right? Are they doing the right thing? Are they actually trying to take care of me and my clients or are they just in it for the money? Mm. And when you figure out that some people are just in it for the money and they're not actually trying to help people, that's when you got to get out and go somewhere else. And, you know, it, it, business isn't, doesn't work if you're not working with people. Like, you know, I know you do the same thing. You're there to not just do well for yourself, but to bring value and help other people. And you know, I, I listen to Tony Robbins all the time and I've been listening to one of his books recently and I love his thing. It's about gratitude. Everything's about gratitude and coming from that place of giving. And if you can give more value to other people than what they give to you, that's where you make a difference. And that's where you can really thrive and build a business. And with that being said, did you notice that other financial advisors weren't giving that layman's terms type of explanation mm -hmm. to their clients and thus confusing them? And, and, and you could be the differentiating factor in the market because you are giving that a little bit extra help and guidance uh, on the onboarding process? 
Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I get those responses all the time. Well, oh, I didn't know that, or I didn't know this. And I've been with this guy forever. Or I've been with that guy for 10 years and <laughs> he never told me that I, you know, what the heck, what, why didn't he explain that to me? It's and, also good customer service, right? It just makes you yeah. stand out from the crowd in terms of, well, you're doing something different, which to me seems crazy that no one else is doing that because so many people come into this world, they come through the corporate world and they don't, they have all this money saved up or 401k and they just don't know what to do with it. And they blindly give it to these financial advisors, not knowing where it's going or why it's going in that direction. And I think that's why financial advisors, at least in my opinion, get a bad rap because they're not giving the explanation and the education behind you know, looking under the hood. They're just like, yeah, give it to me. I've got you, thumbs up, you know, I'll make you some money. Where taking the time to you know, go through that education piece empowers people to know what they're doing and at least be a little bit dangerous and so they can ask better questions you know in the future how's that stock going how is that well you told me that one thing about that annuity is that is that coming true you know they can they can keep you on you, you, you on your toes but they're now educated and empowered because you've provided value which i think is really really key listening to your story here and you, did they leave anything out <laughs> No, you, you hit the nail right on the head. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, especially when they're in the onboarding processes, you know, you don't have to work with me. You can go work with anybody that you want to. But whether you work with me or you work with somebody else, make sure that you understand what's going on and you get the education. It, it's the most important part of the whole thing, because I find that sometimes financial advisors that are offering different plans, they don't even understand some of the parts themselves. <laughs> That's scary, right? And that is scary. Right. You know, they got somebody telling them, hey, do this, do that, or do this, and they don't know what's going on, and then they're telling you what to do, and so they can't answer those questions, and that's why you have to constantly be educating and learning yourself. That You know, that's why you do the podcast. I, I know for a fact, because I do a podcast, that uh, you learn sometimes more from the guests than you do from even reading oh, yeah. a book. 100%. 100%. As a, as a podcast host, I learn, it's nearly like my mentor, actually, uh, for those people out there. So I'll ask you, how has your podcast helped you grow your business in a way through providing a platform of education to your clients? I, I assume it's helped it tenfold, right? Oh, yeah. The podcast has been absolutely amazing. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. It's created a lot of networks. I get to meet people like you and obviously come on your show, which thank you for having me on the show. This has been really cool. But, uh, you know, as far as like my clients go, I was just speaking with an existing client yesterday and she's like, hey, I listened to your show on dividends that you did, you know, a few weeks ago. And I just had a couple of questions about that, you know, and things like that that come up all the time. And then, of course, just being able to network with people that like are in my area. I, I've had some people there that they said, hey, you know what? You could help this person. You could help that person. And just bringing that value of uh, <laughs> I've got this one client. I absolutely love her. She's like, I've listened to every single show you've ever done. I absolutely love it. I've learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're building a tribe, right? Those, those raving fans of what you do. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mate, tell me, what are you doing between now and the end of the year? We're still in COVID. How does the business look moving into 2021? Um, business is actually really great. It, it's been a lot of fun. And the, it was a little slow when everything first hit. I think that's because everybody was just so shell-shocked. Nobody mm. saw it coming. And everybody got in their house and they're like, wait, I can't leave? <laughs> I have to work from home, you know, like my, my wife is still working from home and she used to go to the office mm -hmm. and they're going to be working from home until 2021. Wow. And yeah, it's just a totally different world. So once people got out of that shell shock and starting, you know, mid April, 
May, that's when things really started to pick up because everybody started getting on the internet. And, you know, to this day, it just continues to roll. And I have more and more clients coming on board every day. And, you know, as far as my business goes, it's great because we're helping people protect their money so that if something like Corona comes around again, which we know it will, I mean, you look through history, you get dot-com bubbles in 2008s and oil crises, and we don't know what the next one is. It's called black swan event for a reason, but <laughs> something's going to come along. And if you're in your retirement years, you have to have a portfolio that can withstand that. So that's a good closing question then is, what have you learned through COVID from an investment point of view for those retirement folks out there that will help be more recession proof in the future should another pandemic like this come come about well what we learned is that the annuities did their job anybody that had money in any of the fixed annuities that we've done didn't lose a single penny their lifetime income kept coming in the door every single month regardless of the market volatility going up and down and the other thing is the people that were in the dividend stock portfolio they also had an increase in their income so even though as long as they didn't sell out of the portfolio, their income increased, any income they were receiving from the annuity stayed steady. And you know, overall, you know, when a lot of financial advisors were getting calls left and right going, oh my gosh, what happened to my portfolio? What's going on? Why didn't you prepare me for this? Why didn't you get me out of the market? It, you know, we, we didn't get those calls. Right. We just don't. You know, our, our phone lines were quiet. We had a few people call and say, hey, is, it, is the plan working? Yeah, plan's working great. <laughs> were, you, were you shocked by that? Were you expecting you know, it to, to be go so swimmingly? Uh, you understand how it works and you know that that's what it's supposed to do. So I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was pleasantly surprised to really right. see it truly withstand all the different forces that were placed upon that the, it. That the mechanics behind the investment thesis worked, right? <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, because I, I haven't been doing this 20, 30 years. The, the guys that run the portfolio, they've been doing it 20, 30 years, and they got to see it work during, you know, the dot-com bubble in 2008. Mm. But I didn't physically get to do that. You know, like 2006 is when I got out of high school. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't managing people's money at that time. <laughs> right. But, but I, I know being a young entrepreneur myself, and, and you know, I, I manage money as well, but in the real estate space, this has been a good Stri- you're getting your, your badge or your stripes. You know, we've gone, we're going through very difficult times and that's only going to make us, our, our assumptions better. It's only going to make our operations better moving forward and, and make sure we, we are communicating effectively with our clients to un- so they understand what's going on, whether it be good or bad. Um, so so I, think, I think it's, it's only been, it's nearly been a blessing in disguise in my, my mind. It's, it's, it's helped us, at least in our portfolio, now can say, yeah, we've come through or coming through COVID. We're navigating these waters X, Y, Z, and we're doing relatively well compared to say other investment vehicles. Uh, and I, I'm sure the same goes with your business that you you now have that sort of feather in the cap that you say, no, well, I've, I've survived COVID, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, one of the coolest things is a couple of weeks into it, like once the the market really took a big dive, I had some clients that called me up and a couple others that texted me, and they and they were new clients that signed up at the end of last year, and they go, you know what? Thank you so much, because if you hadn't shown up and gone through all this with us, we would have we would have lost so much. Right. And, and we're watching friends and family go through it. And, you know, we're just kicked back and we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> sure you're getting a lot of referral business from that. So awesome oh, stuff, yeah. mate. Look, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? 
Yeah, let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Well, I love to take my dog for a walk with my kid. He's only a year and a half old. Every single morning I, I walk the dog. We, we take a half hour to an hour walk, me and you know the, the kid in the stroller. And during that time, I, I take my headset and I listen to books. So right now I'm listening to a Tony Robbins book, but I constantly listen to books and continue to rotate them. Lovely, lovely. So having a bit of peace and quiet in the beginning of the morning before you dive into your day, I think that's super important. Uh, and really the, the hallmark of a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and investors who come on this show. Uh, question number two, who's the most influential person in your career to date? My dad. Your dad? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, my dad, 100%. You know, he, uh, you know, I was homeschooled, obviously, and he taught me so much and he's always been there for me every everything from sports through all the way through i actually was working for him in the corporate world ah. <laughs> yeah and uh when i left was right around the time that he retired and he actually still works with me to this day so That's he's awesome. part of yeah he's part of our company he's just one of those guys he can't sit so he's like <laughs> you know what I've, i was in corporate as an executive and let's just take all that experience and roll it into helping people with their retirement money. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, and that's, that's, that's kind of cute, you know, that your dad's helped you get started. You work with him. Now you've started your own business and you can sort of pay it back, which is uh, pretty, pretty freaking awesome. Uh, question number three is what is the most influential tool in your business on a daily basis? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or, a, a, you know, your phone or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. So what's the most influential tool? Well, right now it's software like Zoom. I use JoinMe instead of Zoom because it's just easier for what I do. But, you know, having the ability to share a screen and do the video if we need to and show people in black and white, just like I'm sitting there, you know, in the room with them right. is hugely influential. And it really gives us the ability to actually do the business uh, you know, before this type of technology, it would have been almost impossible to do all this type of business 100% over the and phone. Probably expand tenfold with with your podcast and your message and your mission and the word of mouth that people are coming through COVID unscathed with the types of investments you've put them into. So I think it's it's all it's all going in the right direction for you, mate. So it's so well done. Uh, question yes, number four is in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? Biggest failure in my career. Huh. That, that's an interesting one. It, it would be uh, the, the team and the direction that I tried to take it when I was at the insurance company. And it wasn't the right way to go. And it was ultimately what led me to leave the insurance company. And it was a blessing in disguise at the time because it ended up leading me to where I am today. But it wasn't what I had wanted to do. Uh, what the thing that we were talking about earlier, it's about the people that you're with. Got it. hundred percent. Got it. Got it. Awesome stuff, yeah. mate. Look, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to find out a little bit more about what you do. Where do they go? Hey, they can go to the podcast, the safe and sound podcast. Uh, you just put my name in Sean Sparkman, S E A N S P A R K M A N stuff it into Google. You'll find me somewhere. <laughs> I got all the social media out there. So I'm easy to find. And then uh, we also have a website called safeandsoundretirement.net. Got it. 
Got it, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. And I think the, the first thing that I took away from today's show is that, you know, being humble uh, and learning to be humble through your upbringing of um, homeschooling, then going into, you know, uh, martial arts and learning to stop being so stubborn headedness and then learning the, the, the <laughs> art of being being calm and, and compromise, I think is really, really important. But, but through that, I think you sounded like you've learned a lot about the value of helping the average person. And, and you can definitely hear it in the way that you present yourself and the underlying mission that you sort of drives you to get up every day to not help the, the seven or eight figure type of person in the world, the top 1%, but actually helping you know the, the average American access affordable retirement advice through really uh, sound investment vehicles like we just discovered, we discussed in terms of annuities um, and dividend paying um, stock stock bonds, uh, sorry, stock, uh, stock investments, but also making sure that you're leading with the education piece and just breaking it down in a way that you are educating people in a way that they can understand it. So they're not like feeling like the wool's been pulled over their eyes and they don't have to have a, a PhD in science or, or mathematics in order to understand what they're doing. And I think that there is a differentiator for you, but also helps attract a certain type of client that I think is going to make you successful for years to come. So, so mate, did I leave anything out? No, you're doing good, Greed. Absolutely wonderful. Thanks again for having me on the show. This has been a great conversation. Awesome, mate. Well, look, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we'll catch up very, very soon. And remember, wash your hands. <laughs> you too. Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Sean and how he is helping shape the average American's retirement vehicles once they hit retirement age. If you do want to find anything out about Sean, please head over or just ch ch type his name into Google. As he said, stuff it into Google, Sean Sparkman, and go to the Safe and Sound podcast. It's all over iTunes or it's all over the web. Uh, he is it's very easy to, to access. Uh, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.